start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Hello and welcome to the all-new edition of The Jay Allen Show. Today's Tuesday, June the 16th of 2020. Thank you for coming back to listen to another edition of The Jay Allen Show. We are coming to you live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. How are you doing? Hopefully everything's going well in your neck of the woods. Today I have the honor and the privilege to speaking to Matthew Heron. If the name sounds familiar, there is a reason behind that. And let me tell you why. Mr. Heron has over 10 years of experience as a practicing safety professional. He has worked in a wide range of industries, including healthcare, research and development, automotive, and aerospace, in which he has developed, implemented, and maintained OHS programs and management systems. He has an expertise in applying occupational safety engineering, agronomics, human factors, and industrial engineering principles to solve complex health and safety issues. He currently serves as a senior safety engineer for the Mechanical Engineering Division at Southwest Research Institute in San Antonio, Texas. In his role, he oversees and leads the continual improvement efforts for the division's ISO 45001-based safety program. Today, we have the privilege to speak with the original bearded safety guy here on the Jay Allen Show. Sometimes when I come into this hold music, I go, I don't know what disaster we're putting people through. So I apologize. Matt, how are you? Doing very well. I was actually hoping you could, uh, you know, put the put the uh, interview on hold so I could listen to that music some more. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever told me that, but I was like, what is this? And it's like, I think of you is what I heard the moment I turned everything on. I was like, oh, this is probably not going to be good for with uh, me starting off with this. <laughs> I think it's that standard elevator music, you know. Well, you, you ha- that's what we were told to play. Sometimes it's instrumental, so it's not terrible. I yeah. mean, but it but it just depends on which kind of music you like. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, I appreciate you doing this. I know that it, most of the times it's like when I contact people, they're like, why out of the blue are you contacting me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, this is great. I really enjoy what you guys are doing. Um, you know, with, with all of the different podcasts, uh, um, you know, inspiring the the next generation of safety professionals and, and definitely helping the ones that are, you know, out there right now. 
Well, I mean, when we started this, we started taking a look at it and we said, hey, we, there's there's a gap. And I figured that, you know, maybe we can try to assist and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you, as I started doing some looks and looks around and doing some research, when I found you, it was like the bearded safety guy. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's a different approach than most take. So how did you start off with the moniker or did you grow the thing out and you were in safety? How did, how did this whole thing happen? Yeah. So I was in safety before that. And, um, you know, I just kept growing it out. You know, I'd say that there was some sort of, um, divine intervention or something like that, <laughs> or, uh, but I think it was really, um, uh, it's about laziness and, uh, efficiency. <laughs> that's, that's pretty that's straightforward and very honest starting off there. I liked it. Yeah. But, um, but it really turned into, you know, um, for me, you know, I meet a lot of different people at conferences and and things like that. Um, and so people remember me by the beard. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've really found that that's, it's a useful tool, if you will. So is there, is there a secret to how you've made this thing grow out and how many years did it take before it became the, the thing that it is on your LinkedIn picture? Now, I don't know how updated or outdated that picture is. So who even knows what it looks like now, right? Yeah, it, that, that's actually a fairly recent picture beginning of this year. And um, it's, it's taken me a little over four years to grow that. So Wow. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. So what got, you, what got you started through the whole path of safety? Why did you decide to do this? Why did this career excite you? Well, it, just like every other safety professional, I don't think it excites people <laughs> per se. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, as you get into it, you realize that, you know, the, your passion takes over. And um, what I found uh, basically Oh gosh, it's been over 10, 10 years now. Uh, I was working for a company that did testing and calibration services for the military, aerospace, telecommunications industries. And um, they asked me to join their health and safety committee. And um, I started like getting really heavy into ergonomics and just helping people uh, and be more efficient. And like it clicked. And that's when I found my passion, uh, not only for safety, but for helping people. And, well, uh, I, I will tell you, I am right down the road from where you were doing um, ergonomics and helping out there. Really? I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm I'm within a few miles. <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so that started you down the path. What did you like so much about it? What was the portion that you said, OK, this seems like a good thing to continue with? Well, I think. um I guess kind of taking a step back, um, I, I hold on a second. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to think how I got into this. Um, uh, I, I actually, uh, you know, that was actually one of the things that that drew me into going back to school, and so mm -hmm. uh, I had the opportunity to um, go to the University of Michigan, mm -hmm. where they actually have a, a NIOSH sponsored program there for. Um, safety engineering and ergonomics. And so, um, I just really started to love the, uh, the marriage between those two, if you will, uh, just, uh, having the ability, uh, to look at a process and put that together, um, and then pairing it with safety through ergonomics and, and things like that. It was just, uh, uh, it really 
uh, sparked my creativity and, and it uh, created the career that I'm in now. So how did you like going from Florida to Michigan? Well, I'm originally from Georgia. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> I, I live in the South, so I can't say much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it's definitely a different um, uh, climate shock uh, as well as culture shock in some cases. Um, but I, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I, I don't mind the cold. Uh, it's really driving in the snow and the ice. <laughs> Um, that's the, the real pain, but, um, uh, Michiganders are great people. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, being up there and, um, uh, been back a few times, uh, v- visit the alma mater and everything and, and go see some good friends up there. So, so as your career actually develops and you're doing these different things, what do you do, end up doing next steps? What is it that has kept you? Okay. This is what I'm going to push forward with. And this is the reason behind it. I've had some really good, um, I've been very fortunate to have some really good uh, mentors uh, in my, uh, my past and, and right now, actually. Um, and so just especially, especially if they're listening, you have to make sure you say that you have very, really, very much so you have great <laughs> mentors at the moment. <laughs> um, and uh, it's really c- kind of helped guide my career path. And, you know, one of those is taking the steps to um, just personal development and my professional development that through um, going to ASSP conferences, uh, NSC, those types of things, listening to these wonderful podcasts. And, um, uh, you know, it's really that, I don't know, I've got some sort of internal drive um, that I have to improve systems. Um, And so that's, that's really what keeps me going. And, uh, you know, how, do, how, how can we do things better? This is the Jay Allen Show. Just wanted to tell you, I have a new book and it seems kind of timely. Although I didn't write it for a global pandemic. And by the way, this is my first one. It seems to have lots of legs on this topic. The book's called When the Worst Accident Happens. And it's a field guide to understanding how to begin a restorative process of responding to a horrible event. That book is available now on Amazon. I think you'd like it. Tell all your friends. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. And being as you've been doing this for a little bit here and you kind of see some changes in the market, and I think that we're at the phase now where we're kind of seeing a lot of people hungry for what is the, I won't say the next big thing, but they're starting to see like changes. There's some people that enjoy behavior-based safety or system ones or however you want to look at it. And then there's some people that enjoy hop and there's some people that enjoy lean and all these kind of different things. When you take a look at the market being is that you're able to, you know, do so many different things. What do you, what do you see being the next big change from your perspective? And I'm not asking for the crystal ball approach because I know sometimes I have a very bad habit of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I think, you know, behavioral based safety, you know, it's been around for 25 years, but I think it's really come to fruition and coming into its own, um, you know, uh, obviously hop, like you mentioned. Um, I think, um, you know, total worker health is um, on the cusp right now, um, especially with, um uh, COVID-19 being here. And I think the put, putting the focus on um, uh, personal mental health, uh, I think is, is definitely going to be um, something that comes out of this pandemic. 
Um, well, and, and, and I think that that's one of those things that there's not a lot of conversation about. I mean, I think we towards like right before COVID-19 occurred, there were some people that started talking about mental health, especially people inside of the safety industry, because on some of the things that they get or inter- interact with. I mean, it's the love hate relationship. I I love the safety person when they're helping out and something good has happened um, or if something terrible has happened and they're pointing this out. Maybe the person that went through the catastrophic event has a little bit more love than the rest. At least that's in some of the places that I've seen. And then I see where there's some difficulties when people transition back home from being at work where they don't feel so much love per se. So as we start having these conversations and now we've been in this lockdown method for quite a period of time, what do you think that that's going to have impact on, let's say the safety professional themselves? You know, I think, um, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a job during this time and, and, uh, you know, I've got 300 workers total, uh, two thirds of that workforce has gone home uh, to work from home, and I, but I've had a, a hundred or so technicians here, um, you know, keeping the the daily grind going. Uh, so I think you know, kind of the re uh, reintegration uh, back to work, um, getting people used to that normal pace, um, being you know, not that they've been off uh, of schedule per se, but I think you know, being at home, it, it definitely has a different mindset to it. I was just talking to, to one of my engineers that was in the office this morning. He's like, you know, I've, I've, I've been at home for so long. I, I, and with, I love my family, but I, I really need to, to come to work and, and be able to focus <laughs> on that. And I, I completely understand, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he was, he was telling me, you know, how it's been, it's been great being there, but it's really affecting his life as an engineer and his life as a father and, and husband and things like that. So, um, trying to, to find, refine that balance, I think is going to be interesting, uh, for everybody. Um, uh, especially moving forward, um, you know, and hopefully we'll be able to find, find a vaccine for this and, and, uh, things can return to a, uh, improved normal. I'm not going to well, say, I'm not going to say new normal. Not, not new normal because it could mean so many different things depending on how you look at it. Now, it's interesting that you bring up his perspective because here's where I've had some conversations and there's some similarities there where people are saying, well, you know, I love my family, but, you know, it is kind of putting a little bit of strain on my work life because of some of the, th- I mean, let's just be realistic. If you have children at home and all of a sudden you have to take care of a child at the same time that you're trying to work, it becomes a little bit of, of a difficulty as you're doing it. But what I've also heard some people say, especially the ones that have been able to continue working um, day in, day out, not necessarily from home, but let's say, for instance, from a, inside of the organization, inside of a facility, they have actually taken the approach because I don't know why, but most of the times when people say, hey, someone's working from home, I don't know why it all automatically turns into like they're vacationing or taking the day off, which I don't think that's the case. But some people may make that make that understanding. But I have had conversations where people turn around that are inside of a facility and they'll say, well, we've done the work without you till this point. So maybe we can continue without your position. So are you running into any kind of difficulty from that standpoint where some of the workers that you say, see day in, day out are having that approach to the people that are actually working from home? And if that's way too deep, I can understand where you might want to be a little bit generic with, which I can entirely understand. I can, I appreciate that. And, um, I think 
we are such a cohesive organization. I, I, I don't see it that way. And I think that, um, I think that we're actually, we're, we're gaining some actual ben more benefits. And I think we've actually had some uh, productivity increases because of that. Um, uh, you know, and I think that, um, look, go, moving forward, we will uh, evaluate, uh, trying to incorporate more people working from home actually. And I think there's some value there because I think that sometimes some people will try to do the workarounds, if that makes sense, where they might have a family engagement or something that occurs out of the ordinary. So they'll put in the extra hours, which is a good and a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. And I also look at it from a safety standpoint where let's say, for instance, if we're using like the guidelines they have, like in the Cal OSHAs of the world, so like in California, where you are still responsible if somebody's working from home from a from a OSHA's perspective. So you're still responsible for ergonomics and so on and things that might happen inside of inside of the home there, even though it's not, let's say, for instance, the work facility. Do you think that somewhere like you, where you're located down in the south, do you think that that will be something that we'll start seeing more and more of as this be, this becomes the new, new normal of actually working from home? I think it could uh, potentially uh, go that route for sure. And what's the fear as an organization that you would run into as a safety professional potentially based on something like that? Well, I think, you know, it, the more people you have working from home, it's really hard to control that work environment that they're in, right? Um, you know, uh, do you have the a fire extinguisher in your kitchen? Is it, have you checked it? Um, how is your workstation set up? Um, making sure that it's ergonomically safe uh, and in neutral on position. The floor, I'm on the floor next to the couch using um, using the, the edge of the couch as the computer holder. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I think it's re-educating people. Um, you know, I think when we, not that the workplace could be rigid or whatnot, but I think you have a little bit more uh, structure, so to speak. And I think when you, um, and, and, and we, we have some very, um, uh, some of the brightest minds working in our organization. Um, but I think, you know, when you take it home, sometimes some, some, uh, some things get left behind because you don't have that, that, uh, structure that, sh that, the, that being in the office actually, you know, takes care of. Right. It's, it's that mindset and it's like that click control type of thing. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it from the standpoint of I'm here. So I know that there's certain functions that I, I, that I need to do when you're doing it from a home perspective. Sometimes it can become a little bit difficult because your norm might be, okay, I'm doing this with the family and so on. So it has mm -hmm. to be that interesting transition piece as it yeah. moves forward. Now I do, when I did, when we were doing some research on your background, I do see that you've done several different things, but at one point you were the president of the American Society of Safety professional or safety engineers um in san antonio how yes. did you decide to get involved with that what was the inclination of hey i think that the, i'm going to jump into the assc and i want to run for president how did you come to that determination um well i had already been involved with assc uh for many many years um uh, during graduate school and uh thereafter once i graduated and um it was one of those situations where you know i had asked uh, the current president and the the executive committee that hey I'm really interested in, in being involved and and um, you know I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do and unfortunately um, when it came time for elections 
the president uh, elect um, got a new job out of state. And so the current president said, hey, you've um, you've been asking for something to do. Um, would, you, <laughs> would you mind running for president? I, said, I, I would be happy to. Uh, and so it was, a. I really enjoyed that experience, had a great team. Um, we actually led our, uh, South Texas chapter to get a, a, a platinum recognition award that year. It's the first time in our chapter's history. Um, so, and it's, it's been a, it was a great experience. Uh, so were you, were you still running it then when the ASSP was in, um, when they were actually, when the, when the, the big national conference came to San Antonio? Yes, sir. I was. Okay. So, well, you guys put on a huge event. I remember being there. There was a huge event that I, I will say that the the beer was flowing inside of the bar <laughs> that, uh, that the that the event was held at. Yeah, but I remember it was gigantic. There was a lot of people there. Yes, that was our um, Region Three Big Night Out is what mm-hmm. we did. So, as the the host chapter, um, the executive committee and I planned and and put all that together. So, um, yeah, we were we were very happy to to have. Uh, everybody down and, and host them for our great city. This is the Jay Allen Show. Have you been considering wanting to take the Safety Consultant Blueprint course online? Well, let me throw a little monkey wrench into your thoughts. I am going to do a live three day event on Zoom. It's going to be a workshop that is me walking you through this course step by step by step each day july 28th july 29th and july 30th from 9 a.m eastern standard time to 1 p.m eastern standard time we're going to have an intimate group of a maximum 15 participants so register today sheldonprimus.com backslash live for the safety consultant blueprint so go to sheldonprimus.com backslash live and register today and we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Oh, I mean, it was great because it was right there on the river walk. And I want to say there, I mean, there were some people that enjoyed it a little bit more than others. And, you know, that's a good thing. Don't get, don't, <laughs> I'm not looking at it the wrong way. But I mean, I love how the arrangement was. It was the bracelet set up. And then there was like some giveaways and some things that that accent. And it was really well organized. I was really impressed with how you had it set up. And I thought it was a great event overall, especially being there. And I want to say at the time, and I don't know if it's the case anymore. Wasn't that the biggest chapter at the time? Uh, I don't know if that was the the biggest chapter, but that was one of the biggest events that we threw all year, um, and especially, I think, for our history. Um, but it was great having everybody come and um, just being able to uh, network and and really celebrate the the culmination of that entire year that we worked so hard um, and and got platinum that year, so. It was a really, really nice way to cap it all off. So as you decide, then all of a sudden, because the year is up, you transition out. And I guess you're so bored, you decide to become the Region 3 Assistant Vice President of Student Leadership because you just have so much spare time? Yeah, so that actually <laughs> so that actually came about actually while I was president. Oh, okay. uh, so I took on that role as well. And so um, I, I really do have a heart for students uh, and helping them. Um, in, in order to achieve their goals uh, and, and become better safety professionals. So one of the things that Region 3 does is we actually put on our own student leadership conference every year. 
um, except for this year, of course, right. uh, with the, the pandemic and everything. But um, we try to provide our students with the uh, the resources, knowledge, and insights uh, to help them become better safety professionals uh, so that when they transition from the classroom to uh, their first job, um, they've got a leg up. So, so how do you, what, how's your general feeling with when it comes to some of these things? Because I know that we're starting to see more, we'll say, quote unquote, safety well, we can go to more and more colleges and courses that actually are designated towards safety. We're starting to see that more and more. But I have not seen a ton of places that have anything that's kind of driven towards the C-suite. Do you think that because of the people that you get to interact with, you are you seeing a, a lack inside of that area? Or is that just something that I'm looking too deep into? No, I definitely think that that is something that um, as safety professionals, we, we get so focused on the technical you know, uh, we're compliance driven. Uh, we're trying to learn more about, um, you know, behavioral based safety and whatnot. I think that's, that's really, um, going back to one of your previous questions is I think that's the future that we need to look at is, um, getting to those business skills and those leadership skills that can take us to that C-suite, um, because, uh, I think a lot of times safety professionals, they speak a different language, right? And we really need to speak the language of our, um, top management and, uh, that's finance, right? And I think that's, uh, in some cases, uh, where we need to focus our efforts, um, as a organization or as a, uh, an industry to help our younger generation start to uh, get into that. So if right now, if you were guiding someone that said, hey, I want to get into the safety field, I don't know what to take, what would you recommend them taking as college courses? Like if you were trying to build out a program for them, what would you tell them to be the focus on? And then would there be anything related to business there? Oh, d definitely. Uh, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, economics um, and personal finance, uh, such as accounting, um, I also think that... Um, you know, we, <clears throat> I think there's another area that we we're, we're lacking as safety professionals and that's marketing. Um, mm -hmm. I think to, uh, be able to present your ideas in a cohesive manner, um, and, and make them fun and exciting. Um, I think as safety professionals, mm -hmm. uh, we know that safety is sexy, but the rest of the world doesn't. And so we really Hold need on. to. Did you just really say that out loud? You said safety is sexy. I've never heard anybody say that before. We're going to have to mark that, please. We need to have that marked here. Yes, that's a <laughs> two minutes and 20 seconds. Um, but no, I, I, I think that, um, again, going back to, you can get all the technical, whether it's um, your, your particular program is in fire protection or ergonomics or uh, industrial hygiene, general safety. You, you, I think you're going to get that core. Um, but I think there's other things that are surrounding it. And I think there, as, as this profession is growing, um, we need to supplement that, the technical knowledge, uh, with those softer skills, um, such as, uh, negotiation and, uh, no, negotiation skills. And, um, again, going back to that finance, uh, marketing, uh, I think those are some crucial skills, um, that can definitely help us advance this profession. Uh, and, and make it a lot smoother on you in your career. Um, I think when you can talk that talk to the, the C-suite 
and your top management, you're, you're going to be able to um, get them to see your vision for that safety program. So do you look at it that sometimes when it comes to safety professionals, the way that our lingo works that we try sometimes to use inside of that C-suite, it actually could be a, we won't say a disturbance, but it could be a hindrance to an extent because we're not speaking the same language as the, C- the people inside of the C-suite. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's a, um, it's not bad to know the terminology, right? And it's not right. bad to, to teach others, especially your first line uh, supervisors and your uh, technicians and, and everybody on the front lines. Because uh, I think it's a very important that everybody has the same vocabulary, right? They know what a confined space is. They, you know, you, you've taught them that in your, your safety meetings and such. Um, and you have that consistent message. But I think as you start to move up the chain and start talking to top management, I think it, I think it, the, the language that you use does need to be in their terms. Um, I, well, you did make a reference to marketing as well. So is this why the growth of the beard, is this part of your, your marketing strategy inside of your organization? You can, you, it's, I, it's only between you and I, nobody else will know if you tell us. <laughs> I think it's, um, it, you know, part of my, my brand strategy. Um, again, you know, everybody recognizes the beard. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm connecting with somebody on LinkedIn, uh, I would say uh, 85% of the time, the first thing that they reply back with is nice beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's be, let's be honest here. We are doing the connection via computer and you put down instead of your name, which is perfectly fine, bearded safety guy. So <laughs> I, I just, you know, um, you know, if I, if, if I'm going to grow it, might as well, you know, use it. Right. I hope you have that thing trademarked by then, trademarked and own the website. Uh, you know, I, I probably need to do that. I haven't I haven't gotten that far. Um, the coronavirus is keeping me pretty busy. <laughs> I, I could only imagine. So as you go down this path, and of course, we're seeing these different things take place. So it sounds like you're you're heavily involved with the student activity. How is that working now with you being able to assist with students, especially in this, I guess, this new version that we have to do where can't really do a lot of meetings in person. How are you being able to interact, if at all, with some of the students that are interested in still being inside of the safety field? Well, like I said before, you know, our student leadership conference got canceled um, at the beginning of this year, uh, back in April. Um, we are we postponed it till till next year, uh, but we're still uh, as a uh, planning committee. We're still holding those meetings and we're uh, still moving forward. Um, with what we had planned uh, for this upcoming year. And, um, you know, just keeping the students engaged, um, you know, have had um, quite a few conversations with the, the student leaders, um, you know, especially, you know, as it's time for, you know, those seniors who are graduating and, and moving on and then the ushering in the, the new uh, officers and things like that, uh, connecting with, with folks on LinkedIn, um, we're also trying to um, look for other ways to how to how to communicate. You know, obviously with Zoom and WebEx and and all the the online platforms and everything, but we're also looking into you know apps. How do we get messaging out that hey the uh, registrations online for this new conference? 
So we're looking into like WhatsApp and uh, GroupMe, uh, which has actually been pretty popular amongst the students. Um, so trying to get their feedback as to how do they communicate? Because um, as we know, you know, email is pretty static, you know, and especially being a, a college student during the summer, you're probably not going to be checking your uh, your college email account, right? Right. This is The Jay Allen Show. At Hop University, we cut the bullshit out of human and organizational performance training. We were born out of necessity. We hear it all the time. Human and organizational performance courses are expensive and hard to find. Safety classes put me to sleep. Help. So we did. We offer on-demand, high-quality online courses in human and organizational performance, safety, and leadership, all led by seasoned safety and hot practitioners. No need to schedule time for that conference. No need to track down the latest guru. And no stuffy classroom required. Join us today at hopuniversity.org. That's H-O-P university.org. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. And then besides that, every company on the planet sending me an email to let me know how much they care about me at the moment probably does not help the, help the fact either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to get drowned out. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that they are still staying connected um, because, you know, when they transition from the, the student section to an actual chapter, um, you know, they're, they've already started to grow those leadership skills. So we want them to take on a leadership position. Uh, when they come into the chapter. Now, when you're seeing the people that are inside of the student section of the chapter and they're transitioning into a full normal membership, now we are aware that there are some price point differences that do occur. Do you see a pretty high conversion rate with them staying with the chapters? Well, uh, ASSP has done a great job um, and they've looked at, um, so as students graduate, ASSP's gift to them is they get a full membership actually oh. after they've graduated so that oh, first, first year is covered oh, that is that's awesome i was not aware of that at all that's mm-hmm. that's a great it, it is a fantastic benefit and and being a student at 15 dollars a year um for to be a part of your student section i think is a phenomenal benefit especially being able to get a, a practice specialty in a common interest group um connecting online with that in those communities, uh, I think is phenomenal. I, th- I think, I think it's one of the best, uh, uh, hands down, um, uh, cost benefits that you can get. Uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, I don't know. I do not know that why that is not on the main page of the ASSP when you get there, to be quite honest with you, this is the first time I've ever heard of that. Um, uh, so yeah, if you go to the ASSP.org, uh, it is underneath student membership. Yeah, I would um, never, I would have never, <laughs> I would have never yeah. looked in that area. But I mean, that is, that's, that's great. I mean, that is one of those great approaches in regards to doing it. Now, with you being involved with the ASSB, of course, this year was supposed to be occurring in Orlando, and now it has changed to a virtual session. What's your thought process behind that? Well, I think obviously, um, you know, as safety professionals, uh, we need to lead by example. So I think uh, it was definitely a, a prudent move on their part. Um, by hosting a virtual conference. Um, I'm definitely interested in to see how um, the new platform is uh, and, and, and going through all of the different um, general sessions and, and um, uh, the, the uh, breakout sessions and such. Um, the, the one thing that I'm going to miss personally is the interaction uh, with my safety family, mm-hmm. um, being able to uh, network and, and, uh, 
just catch up. Right. Um, so it's a little different, but I, you know, I definitely think that's, it's something that needed to happen. Well, I mean, I know that the virtual room, which will be much different than actually being able to interact with people in person. Of course, you can't do a virtual, you know, um, adult beverage is the way that I'll word it. Uh, <laughs> that might make it become a little bit difficult in that extent. But do you think that this actually has the, the I guess, the ability to be such a market disruptor that this might be the the way in the future? So let's let me kind of let me kind of try to give you a little bit more detail on what I mean here. So let's say, for instance, next year everything goes fine. I believe it's in Denver, if I remember correctly. It is. And, sure. And everything's scheduled to go find where there might still be some people that might want to do it virtually, where there's an, an availability of doing it both ways, where you can have some people in person and then also do the market disruption of doing it virtually. You know, I think that's an interesting point. I think, um, you know, like we've talked about, I think the the new world, um, a lot of things are going to be going virtual um, and that could potentially be an option next year. And especially for those who aren't able to travel, I think that, um, you know, we were going to hold the, the region three, uh, professional development conference here in San Antonio, uh, later this year in, in, uh, September. And we decided that, it, you know, there's just too much uncertainty in the world. You know, we think there could be a, another, uh, COVID-19 wave come through. Um, you know, I think a lot of organizations have, pulled back, um, their discretionary spending, um, or cut it off completely. Um, I think some country, uh, some, uh, organizations are also still on a travel ban. So, um, I think if that, uh, keeps going into next year, I think we could potentially see, um, you know, some people going to, um, in person, the conference, and then some people, um, wanting to do that virtual, um, method as well. Um, yeah, and I think from a cost-cutting measure, at least in my opinion, especially bringing up that some organizations are cutting back on, especially on travel, it's probably a better value for them in regards of cutting back the travel. But then the question will always become, does the full price point have the same value if you're in person or if it's via web? Because I think that that's always going to be point of the conversation. And I think that that's where we're at in the market, where people are still trying to make that determination on what brings value like i will tell you there's a seminar that i've been looking at and the seminar is pretty it's like one of these master classes where they have all kinds of people that show up they want eight thousand dollars for the things to show up in person but they still want the eight thousand dollars if you're doing it online which i was like mm -hmm. i don't get it so no i i think that but the the one of the issues that i do have is that you know, you're, if you're still in the office and there's still people here, there could be other distractions. So your attention right. could still be divided. Um, so in, unlike being with in that, uh, you know, the, the conference room, watching the speaker and engaging with them, I think that's also a part that you miss, you know, not having uh, being there in person. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. Organizations still know how to track you down. Even if you're at a conference, you know that. And I know that. Yeah. <laughs> They will hunt you down, especially if it's one of the ones that you're trying to, you know, listen to the most. All of a sudden, that's the seem to be the day that the most catastrophic events normally tend to occur. I don't know why it works out that way. <laughs> this is true. So, Matt, if people want to know more about you, where can they find out more information? Uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, just look for the bearded safety guy the bearded safety guy so i appreciate you actually coming on to the show today i really enjoy the conversation so make sure that if you do go looking for him go on to linkedin 
and you'll recognize them specifically by the picture. Thank you so much, Jay. I really do appreciate it. Well, this brings another episode of the Jay Allen Show to an end. If you're interested in to see what we have going on at Safety FM, come to the website at safetyfm.com. If you're interested in the latest contest, go to safetyfm.com forward slash contest. And if you're interested in becoming part of the Safety FM exclusive list, also part of the Safety FMers, also, of course, you can go to safetyfm.com. Thank you for always being the best part of Safety FM, and that is the listener. Here at Safety FM, we want to be the home of real safety talk. We'll be back with another episode of The Jay Allen Show before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of The Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 44-0 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case. And you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.